And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Sign up Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future, the future is Luca. The timing sucks because the maps are ass. But did you see his no look pass? Whoa! Don't fight the future, the future is Luca. Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that is not currently, actively, watching the Thunder game at this exact moment. <laughs> because, you know, we got a podcast to record. I'm Tim Cato, I'm ready to talk about the Mavericks. Uh, we've got Josh Bowe from Maz Moneyball, someone I've known for a decade plus. Did I hire you? Hire with the biggest quotes <laughs> around that word possible because Maz Moneyball is just a fun little enterprise and, and it was back then it honestly is more serious now and I'll let you talk about that but uh is, th- is that how that worked or did it did I swing in like slightly before you no I think you either we joined the same year or you joined the year before me we were both working under uh Lisa uh LJ um that's right I think that's she right. both that's brought us on yeah you yeah. were uh, you were a senior in high school when I met you. Um, oh boy! And I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, I was like I was like a soft freshman or sophomore in college, so it's not that it's not that big a deal. But um, yeah, yeah, like we. But it's still been, crazy to think about. We've been through this journey uh, together in some ways in a in a covering, watching, thinking, you know, just trying to understand the Mavericks together. Like like we have we have gone through it and. I, I will say that it's 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 completely my fault. I sh- I've never had you on the podcast, but I do think <laughs> like your tweets are just like I don't need to tweet anymore. Just like I just refer people to your 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 feed because we like we have a running joke. It's it's me, you, and Is Talk that we can't read what the other people write because nope. <laughs> like it would it's it's too close. We don't when we write it ends up being like very suspiciously similar to what the others write. So if we just don't read it before, then it is our own thoughts, even if it's the same ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've got like a little bit of a hive mind going on, and hey, we sh- we're we were at the same website for like a long time. That's that's gonna happen. Also, it's just funny because it's like it's you know we're not we're not rocket scientists. It's basketball. Like I mean, right. at a certain point, you're everyone's watching the same games. You know, it's only logical that we can we're gonna eventually come to the same conclusions. But you're all right. It is funny how. How similar we 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 seem to, to take in the game that that always gives me a chuckle whenever I wake up in the morning and you know if I wrote something I'll you see what it is and then compare it to yours and it'll be like yep we're, we're on target again looks good <laughs> so so the the reason the the specific reason I was like all right we got to talk is just how <laughs> weird the season is and yep. and all everything that has gone you know, really, and, and again, this is using your own, your words as, as much as mine, everything has gone the opposite of what we expected. Uh, real quick, before we 
get into the meat of this. Um, tell me as much as the the listener, like what what is this new podcast thing that you guys have going on? You and Kirk Henderson at at Mazwani Ball that it has shifted uh, to a new platform uh, because of you know various SB Nation stuff. But what what are you guys doing, and uh, where can it be found? Yeah, so we are now Pod Maverick. That's our new name. We rebranded our podcast feed because we were part of the Vox. Um, I don't know if you, I mean we were contract employees. But they decided not to renew our our podcast contract. They're keeping the site, so we're still writing for MazMoneyBall.com. We're both still editors over there, so that's not changing. And then our new podcast feed is Pod Maverick, and technically it's not even a new feed. They gave us our feed, so nothing's really changing, just the name and the branding. And then since we're doing that, we are moving to the Blue Wire Podcast Network, which uh, if you're listening to this, you've probably listened to the Light Years, maybe the Light Years podcast, that very popular Warriors podcast. Um, they're in the Blue Wire Network. They kind of, those guys kind of, Sam and Andy kind of answered some questions before us, and we felt like that was the, the best fit. Uh, and now we have a YouTube channel. We're doing video. Uh, all our podcasts are video podcasts now in addition to audio. So you can find pod Maverick on YouTube and yeah, we're just, we're, we're trying some new things. Uh, but we're also, you know, nothing, nothing is changing too much, at least in terms of like just going to your podcast feed and listening. That's, that's staying about the same. We just had to do some work behind the scenes because, uh, typical, you know, it's not easy, uh, being in a, a Vox contractor in 2023. So you have independent to be media is, is yes. a, uh, it's, it's, I mean, any, any media at this point, any journalism, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. independent part-time media is, is a, uh, is a grind. And I, uh, respect everybody who does it. And I listen to almost just about every episode that you guys do after every single game. Um, after after writing my own piece, but I listen to just about everyone. I I, I appreciate y'all's perspective. I, I highly recommend anybody on this feed who does not listen to now Pod Maverick uh, to go listen to that. This season has been weird. There are two games left, and as I said in the intro, I am not actively watching the Thunder game. Uh, it's on behind me, my uh, my desk, my podcasting uh, studio, which is just a desk in the corner of my apartment. Uh, it does not face the TV. Uh, the TV behind me does have the thunder, thunder game on. They're they're up, and if the Thunder went out, that's it, right? But if they drop one of the next two and they play Memphis, and Memphis might have something to play for, they might not. It depends on the Kings' result. It's 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 just a lot of swirling things all at once. That honestly, like I became a journalist because I didn't want to do math, and then unfortunately, I had to do a lot of math. It turns out that uh, statistics are actually a very important part of covering basketball. Uh, I was not told this, and so that's another reason why you should not go to journalism school. But all that math aside, there is a chance the Mavericks make it into the play-in tournament. There is a chance they doesn't. They they, they do not. Um, it's really hard to say whether they should or not. But this season is weird. I think that you and I both just have this deep, deep, like just suspicion, this feeling, this, this, like something internal is saying this team is going to make the play in tournament. I feel that way. I think you have said that you feel this way. And it's just, I, I think it's everything that has come before this that is leading us to just believe that even though this team has looked done and out, I titled an episode that went onto our feed that said the season is over more or less. And yet here we are with a chance that it is not over come Sunday, the final game. There is a small chance, a, a big chance, a something chance that they still make it. 
And I don't know what to think of that. I, I, I cannot understand this team. And I know you can't either, but I think between the two of us over the next 10 minutes, can we try? Like, yeah, yeah, we could try. Your, it, g- g- give, give me your best shot at how weird this team is, how you've come to, how, how you've come to understand them. Yeah, it's just so maddening because, you know, just the record alone is bad. 38 and 42. I wrote a column about how, you know, teams that have 24-year-old megastars at this point, you know, or, or have a megastar at this point in their career, almost all of those teams historically are not only in the playoffs, but they are competing for championships. Uh, almost none of them missed the playoffs, and almost none of them were, you know, four games under 500 with two to go. Um, so this is unprecedented. Like we've never, like Luca was legit MVP candidate when the season started. I, I think he might've been the front runner after like the first month or two. Um, you know, he was just, yeah, on, the reason he isn't is the record. Yeah. It's, the, it's, it's it, the lack of wins. Yeah. And it's just, this just doesn't happen unless like the uh, star player gets hurt or there's major injuries and, you know, Luca's going to play in 60 plus games. Um, so he's going to meet the new NBA, uh, games played. Marker, you know, the, I think the 65 games. I, I don't know where right. he's at, but I'm pretty sure he's... Doesn't he's, apply this year, but just yeah, generally, think, yes. Yeah, so he's 60 plus, so like you can't blame it on that. So it's just bizarre. And he's had a great season. It's not like he's he's slumped. You know, we you know I know there's been a lot of consternation around his defense, and rightfully so, and his, his focus and his maturity. But at the end of the day, he's still having like an incredible season and, and better in some ways in some of the past couple of seasons for him. So... It's bizarre, and every single lot, like every single loss, is close. They don't get blown out. They've been blown out twice. They've lost by double digits twice since January first. Only once with Luca, and that was against Boston on the road, which is like the most understandable blowout loss you can imagine. Like they're one of the best teams in the league, uh, and it's just cra- you know, and it's just crazy. You just look at the schedule, and you're like, wow, if they just made like two more threes, or if they just got like two more stops, they would have won that game. And you can do that for like twenty of the last losses they've had. It's just. It's absurd. So one part of your brain is like, well, look at the record. Look at the losses. They're they're not a great team. You know, look at the defensive rating. Look at all this. And the other hand, you just look and you're like, yeah, but they're only losing these games by like five points. And and in the NBA, especially right now, like five points is nothing. That's two shots, and you and you and you have the lead. And it's just bananas. And you know. That Kings game was a, on Wednesday was a great example of just like the yin and yang of the season. They just they get their doors blown off in the first half and you're like, all right, here we go again. And then, you know, you have two of the best offensive talents in, in the league and Kyrie goes crazy. And it's just like, wow, like it, you want to think like hitting all 23s all things, in a game is a very cool party trick. And they've done that yes. what, like five times this season, like since they've the done Kyrie it, trade. Yeah. Five times since the Kyrie trade, they only did it three times all last year. Like <laughs> this is one of the greatest offenses I've ever seen. And it's kind of being wasted with, with this season and it's and that's why it's just so bizarre like like you know the vibes would be so much different if you know they lost before the kings game they lost seven out of their last eight if like four of those losses were like they lost by 15 to 20 points like everyone be like okay like you know it makes sense they've given up but like they're trying like aside from the two first halves and those charlotte games they're they're about as competitive as they can be it's it's less of a of a give up and i think it's just more of how limited the team is which drives you crazy. It just makes you think about the possibilities and what would have happened if they just made some more subtle roster tweaks. Cause it's like, good Lord, the offense is incredible. Like, they, they can't do any more offensively. And you just want to imagine it's like, well, what if they had like the 18th defense instead of the 23rd or 25th or whatever it is right now, you know, 
And it just makes your mind race about all the possibilities because every game is so close. Like it, it would be so much easier to forget about this team and not think about them too hard if they were just getting absolutely destroyed in these losses, but they're not, you know, they're close losses. They're overtime losses. They're clutch losses. It's just, it, it's maddening. It's, it's, it's it, and that's what I think maybe it's, that's part of what's driving you crazy, but that's part of what's driving me crazy. It's like, you can't, for a team that has a record as bad as it is and might finish 11th in the West, we still can't really turn our brains off. One, because it's, you know, it's your full-time job. It's my part-time job. And two, it's because like, it's not over. Like <laughs> they're very capable of winning these next two games and and we'll go from there. It's just, it's just crazy. I, I've never seen a team like this. That's so, so back and forth, Jekyll and Hyde. It's, it's been pretty remarkable to watch. And and I I think those Charlotte games were were big in the understanding or at least the the, the way we started talking about the team. I I've I've said on this podcast I've written it I, in so many places. I kept saying after the Kyrie trade that I thought this team was going to figure it out that they were going to put it together that at some point they were going to put together a stretch that made them look competent that got them into the playoffs that erased all of these doubts. And then we got to Charlotte and and for two games <laughs> they just stopped trying like like it, it's the only two games of the season where i can say this team did like something happened um you know maybe they were just you know so preoccupied with mark cuban's challenge you know protest of the of the warriors loss that you know they couldn't even focus on an, on an opponent like charlotte but like those are the only two games that that stand out in those ways because mm-hmm. after that they tried again before that they had tried again you know they they had been trying they 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 had been losing close games but they had been trying I, I the effort was there um you know this offense can go win them any game they want against any team it's not you know hitting 20 plus threes is not something they can do you know four times in a seven game series against any team but absolutely i, I don't care what team it is if they were matched up with them in a in a seven round series they're probably winning a game or two because of how good this offense is and what it can do and I think the Charlotte game really impacted the way I thought about this team. And, and that's when I started saying, all right, it's, it's done. It's probably over. And, you know, I still think to some degree it's over. Like they can make the play in tournament um, as much as, you know, that, that deep seated feeling of they're going to do exactly what we don't think they're going to do. <laughs> I, I don't really think they're going to win two road games against teams about on their level and make it into, you know, against the Nuggets. I mean, who fucking knows? I don't know. I, I've stopped trying to. I've right. stopped trying to like fully internalize. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. One one thing I wanted to mention is is one thing that that has made this season weird is just some of the results have been preposterous and I I think the first thing that comes to mind is the losses you know losing to the Thunder when you have a I think it was a sixteen point lead with four minutes to go um, you know several losses are just like really hard to comprehend not not in a Charlotte way because because it was effort but in a in a how how was this lead how was this comfortable game all of a sudden turned on its head but on the flip side there have been games that they should not have won um to to explain this the Mavericks embrace variance by shooting this many three-pointers and I do think that a 28 point lead being blown um is going to be something that uh they did that was against the Lakers that they blew that right 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 yeah I, I think I think that is something that's going to become a little bit more common, just as three point mm-hmm. shooting becomes as uh, prolific as it has been over the past few years and continues to be. That you know leads are just not what they used to be, but we're still operating because we've watched the NBA for you know a decade or two, and and we have an understanding of what leads should be safe and what shouldn't. I mean, a twenty eight point lead should be safe, no matter what. But that's going to happen more often. In fact, like the Mavericks blew that twenty eight point lead, and then all, all of a sudden, like four days later, a twenty nine point lead was blown in the NBA. I think that's a little bit of the weirdness that's coming from is just the Mavericks embracing variance by their three point shooting and said variance, thus impacting the way results happen in this league in this sport. Yeah, and it's just. I mean, I feel like there's been a lot said about like, you know, the make or miss aspect of this league and it can be frustrating to boil down, you know, a win or loss to that because we want to try to, you know, we, we, we love this game. We want to talk about it. We want to get into the nuts and bolts. And when the answer to like, Hey, why did this happen? Oh, well, this team missed all their threes. It didn't matter about the look quality. They just didn't have a good shooting night. It's like, Oh, that's it, <laughs> and it takes a little bit away of what we want to talk about. I think and that that that's kind of a struggle. It's at least it's been a struggle for me. You know, it's like when I look at some of these results the Mavs have had, I'm like, there's got to be something more to it. It's like, nope, they just missed their threes, or nope, they just made their threes. Like, and that's you know, it's it's really it. Like uh, the Sacramento game, I think they made eight more. You know, they, I think Sacramento made twelve, and and the Mavericks made twenty. That's eight more threes. Um, there's a tweet that went around that that. If a team makes more threes than their opponent, they win like 
two thirds of the time. Oh yeah. Like totally believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not more, you know, like you can add all the variables you want. This was, this had no variables added. It just looked at, did you make more threes? You usually win. Like, yeah. like then, it, uh, go ahead. And then you double, and I was just going to say, then you, you amplify it with this Mavericks team because that's all they do. Like outside of Kyrie and outside of Luca, they, they don't put pressure on the rim at all from any other player on the roster. Uh, so you know they're they're not very high in rim attempts. Uh, they're not very high in paint attempts, and that's with Luca and that's with Kyrie. Uh, so if they are not making their threes, it's not like they can be like, okay, we're going to pivot to do this. We're you know they can get to the free throw line. I think that's about that's about it. But otherwise, it's you know, it's not like okay, we're gonna we're we're gonna attack the paint. We're, our threes not falling. It's like well, no, they're they have to keep shooting threes. <laughs> like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock and Maxi Kleba and Josh Green and and all these guys, all these role players, they have to shoot threes because that's that's their skill set. So. And I think that just amplifies them, it even more. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if they aren't hitting them, the defense has obviously been the issue all season. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's just the idea that they leak points, that, that they, they do not have rim protection, that they allow. They're okay sometimes at limiting the number of, of rim attempts, but they just concede everything once players get there. And, mm-hmm. and recently, over the past few months, um, really since the Kyrie trade, they've, you know, it's been 60 plus points in the pains, uh, you know, 50 plus, 60 plus, 50 plus. And let let me let me give like a couple reasons of what I see as what has affected the defense this season. And I, I'm curious, like big picture, just like what has affected it. I, I do think that you know, in a in a small way. So so we know Dorian Finney Smith leaving. That that's that's a problem. And it's not just a problem because he's a good defender, but it's I think that a modern NBA defense is based around tall wings. They have none of those. The Mavericks do not have uh, Maxi Kleba in some ways, but I, I don't know if he's quite the same player since coming back from uh, hamstring surgery. He's 31 now. Uh, you know, certainly is not a defense uh, of himself, and you know, so that that has been that has been a factor. Um, I, I think in some ways the team misses Jalen Brunson, and and it's not that uh, I don't know if Jalen Brunson or Kyrie Irving. I have no clue which is a better defender. Neither of them are plus defenders. Both of them are below average. Uh, they're they're small enough that they do not consistently, you know, players just shoot over them. They do not consistently impact. But it, if if the Mavericks and the Mavericks do run a very rotation based scheme, uh, Sean Sweeney believes a lot in you know xing you know rotations where one player basically cuts up and runs to the nearer wing shooter and the other one goes you know the guy rotating after a double goes all the way to the corner. Uh, you know it, it's it's very rotation heavy. And one thing I'll say about last season's team, when they were a good defensive team, when they had an identity that almost felt like a little bit of smoke, smoke and mirrors at times, but it kept working and it kept working long enough that I really became a believer in it. But the one thing I can say about it is that everybody they played outside of maybe Spencer Dinwiddie was exceptionally good at making the right rotations when they needed to make the rotations. I don't think the players they have played this season are good rotation players. Uh, like good at rotating when they need to. Not, they're not as good as as a lot of the players they played last year. I I think that is one place when I'm trying to understand why is this defense worse. It's that the style they play does not match the style of what the defenders on this team can do. Even if a lot of these defenders are very limited, um, not exceptionally good players. Um, I, and. I'm running out of options. Like I'm running out of explanations. <laughs> and so this is this is me reaching a little bit to say, 
oh, the team misses Jalen Brunson on defense. Yes, I understand <laughs> what that sounds like. Um, but I have talked to people who work for the Mavericks, like in the front office, who ask me, what is happening to the defense? Like, do you have any answers? Because I can't quite understand it. You know, like, like it is, it is something about this team this season to go from this really impressive unit to what they are now. That is almost beyond belief. And so I'm curious, first off, if, if, if you think this theory that I have is, it holds any merit. And then where would you go when, when you're trying to understand like what is wrong, what has changed uh, this season from last season? Yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with any of that in terms of you know the the rotate uh, the roster and, and how it fits the scheme and how it's been a little downgraded there. You don't have Dorian, you don't have Jalen. You've got guys playing more minutes like Christian Wood, and then at the start of the season, Javale McGee, guys that you know you have trouble uh, <laughs> fitting, you know, staying on on target and staying on assignment. Um, I think all sorts of uptick of- last year. Um, sort of coincided with Tim Hardaway's junior's injury. I'll add that yeah. as well. Yeah, also that you know, Tim is, Tim is one of those great effort um, guys, but it's just sometimes he just gets a little lost uh, off the ball. I think you know it's it's part it's definitely partly that what you were talking about. I think part of it is also because the defense was bad before uh, Dorian was traded. I mean, they were still in the low thirties defensive rating wise before that Kyrie trade. So it's not like they were on point and then the Kyrie trade happened and, and and they slumped. They've slumped since the Kyrie trade for sure, but they slumped from a place that was already not great. And some of it is just some physical regression, I think. Like their three most badass defenders last year in the playoffs were Dorian, Reggie, and Maxi. And those Dorian and Reggie almost averaged 40 minutes per game in the playoffs. That's 18 18 games, they basically played 40 minutes a game, all high leverage, high stress, you know, possessions, you know, not taking any plays off, really. You know, they couldn't um, because they were really the only two defensive wings on the roster, depending on how you want to classify Maxi. And and I honestly feel like, you know, Dorian's 29, almost 30. Reggie is, uh, I think, 30, 31. Yeah, 30 or uh, or 32. Yeah. yeah, Or 32, yeah, 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 yeah. Father time. Like, I think those guys got worn out after that playoff run. Like they made a deep run and, you know, they played until, you know, May and the season starts up uh, like six months later. And it's like, wow, they just, they put a ton of wear and tear on their tires. I'll I'll just say that. And I think the seasons before the Kyrie trade, like those guys just looked like they had lost a step, Um, especially Reggie. Uh, He just cannot stay in front of his guy. And that's like, if you can't do that, everything else breaks. Like it doesn't matter how good your rotations are. It doesn't matter how good your, your rim defense is. If you just can't stop dribble drive, point of attack, line drive attacks that don't even involve really any action, then you're, you're compromised. You know, everyone has to try to, to help and you're forcing rotations and you're, you know, you're going to give up either shots at the rim or, or shots beyond the arc. Cause you've kind of lost control of the defensive possession, which I think is what they did really good last year. They were just, they were so assertive without being over aggressive. You know, they weren't doing the crazy trapping scheme that kid did in Milwaukee that kind of got wore out. It's welcome because teams were able to counter it after they had enough film, but you know, they kind of dictated the terms defensively. Uh, you know, they didn't play pure drop, but they also didn't play, you know, pure trap. They kind of did mixed it up. It was kind of like in the, in the middle. It felt like they hit a sweet spot and they did it because I think they had the horses and I don't think they have the horses this year. And, I think it's led to the scheme feeling a little more conservative than it used to be because I don't think they 
you know, Maxi doesn't look like Maxi from last year. And understandable, he tore his hamstring. Like he had a pretty, a pretty bad injury that can that can hurt your athleticism. Uh, and then Reggie just doesn't look the same, and Dorian didn't look the same. And I think it's because of those minutes. And then you compound that with the fact that they just none of their roster additions in the summer have helped the defense. You know, it was Wood and McGee were the two main additions. None of those guys are are big wings, and none of them have been fantastic at protecting the rim. So. You know, they just they're, they're not players that rotate, you know, yeah, they're not, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not going to be in the right places at all times. They they might be in the right places to block some shots sometimes, but they're not going to yeah. be in the right places at all times. If you have a scheme that's based about always being in the right place. Yeah. And I think they stretched, I think, the the roster last year to its defensive peak. Like, I think that's they milked it for all it's worth. I think that's the most they could have gotten out of it. And instead of doubling down on that and being like, okay, well, let's make sure Reggie and Dorian aren't playing 40 minutes a night in the playoffs again. Let's go get some wings. You know, they got two bigs and they, and they lost a guard. So, um, you know, I I have some qualms. We all have some, you know, I definitely have some noted qualms with that, but we don't have to necessarily hash into to stuff that's a year old about offseason stuff that'll drive me crazy. But I just think they just... <laughs> we don't have time just, for that. <laughs> yeah, they just need to get more athletic on the perimeter, pure and simple. Like, they just, they need some, like, six seven, six eight, six nine guys that can guard and aren't 30 years old and, and have some pep in their step. Yeah, I have one point about this. Uh, but but first, we have to acknowledge, like, the, the very other obvious reason why the Mavericks are worse defensively. And uh, Josh, I mean, we, we clearly haven't acknowledged that the NBA introduced the take foul this season. <laughs> and You're right, so, it changes the you game. know. As as Mark Cuban said uh, before the game on Wednesday, you know the take foul. You know it's just you know you can't overcome something like that. It's it's out of the team's control. You know what were they supposed to do? A take foul. You know something that I've seen called. Um, how many times do you think a take foul has been called in all of the Mavericks games that you've watched? Maybe has it hit double digits? I bet you it's I right think, around there. It's definitely yeah, it's less right than one per there. game yeah. on average for sure. So like it's it does not yeah, yeah. It's it's a very small number. Anyway, that's that's what Mark said. Uh I, <laughs> I went around and asked some people just to make sure that there wasn't something that I was missing. You know, like w- when he said it, I, I followed up it, like he said it like two or three times and I finally was like, Mark, what is the take foul? Like why why are you using this as a reason for your defense being bad? And then he said some more stuff about it and it was not convincing. And it's not the reason, you know, it might've sped up the team a little bit. You know, I, I think, I think one thing he said that I would be curious at looking, I, I haven't dug into the numbers. He said the team plays worse against uh, athletic teams. And he said, that's because of the take foul. I don't think it's because of the take foul, but I do <laughs> think this team does not have athleticism and, there may be some correspondence there. But what I actually want to end on is Josh Green. And I'm really glad Josh Green is playing better. I, I, I still am absolutely a believer in him being a, you know, a, a very good role player in the NBA. But I I don't know. You know, I think he has a reputation. He has a Mavs fan reputation as a, you know, like a really good defender. Um, or he's supposed to be. And because they see they see the athleticism. And I think that when he was playing like he was before the Kyrie trade, if that had continued, if he had been able to kind of slide into that, I, I don't think what has happened since the Kyrie Kyrie trade would have happened, uh, which I don't blame Josh Green for. But I do think that there was a lot put on him when Dorian Finney-Smith was traded. And I don't think Josh Green, whether it's his size or whether it's just his inexperience, I think he's a fine defender. Like, fine. Capital F, fine. He's, he's okay. He's solid. 
on that end. He can do some really highlight stuff, but I don't think that he is anywhere near all NBA defensive status and him being vaulted into that role, especially as like a six, four player. He's not a tall wing. You know, we talk about tall wings being this important. He is not one of those players. And, you know, it's, again, it's a little bit weird to, I'm bringing him up just to explain the defense, not to criticize him, a 22 year old who is, you know, two years ago, you know, looks like he might be out of the league at this point. And he has turned into somebody who I'm absolutely a believer in. But I also do not think that he can be lumped into, oh, well, they just need more elite defenders like Josh Green. He, he is not that sort of player right now, and he shouldn't be relied as such. But unfortunately, the team has a no choice but to do that this season. Yeah, and this is like his first real season too. So it's hard to 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 want to put a label on him right now when it's like, man, he, he didn't play his first two years. Like he basically, right. did, you know, this is his real first real season. Um, he had, he had like a 40 game stretch his second year. Yeah, that was it. Uh, yeah, that was it. And it's not like he was playing huge minutes in that 40 game stretch. So yeah, you're right. He's, he's deceptively short. <laughs> like I think he's, he's listed at six, seven, which is outrageous. I don't know how that is happened. Is he really? Uh, I yeah, I'm looking at six. Well, at is least ESP, ESPN has him listed at six seven, but he is not six seven. I don't know what I've, what I've always associated him with like six four. I, I will say yeah, he does because he's, he's not that he's much, not that much bigger than, than and I'm he's, yeah, a ahead. fake six foot. I'm like five eleven and a half. He's not. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. t- t- uh, Hardaway is like six four six five, and he's about his height. So yes. like they're so he's not six seven. But you know he's. I think it's you know he's like the only young athletic guy on the roster, so it makes it really easy for the fan base to just kind of like prop him up and, 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 and hold him up and be like, just want more because you're like, it's like you're uh, dying of thirst in the desert and Josh Green is the oasis. So uh, not to say that he is deceptive in, in terms of like how impactful he could be. Like he has had a, a really, really, really great third season, better than I think I could have ever imagined. And you just hope he can build on it. And honestly, maybe you can slot him into, since he isn't a big wing, maybe he can be your point of attack defender going forward because Lord knows they don't have that on the roster right now. And then maybe you can get some bigger wings uh, and an actual, honest to God, uh, defensive big behind him. And then you won't have to put so much pressure on him. I feel like sometimes watching him, I feel that pressure that he needs to be this all-world defensive player. I actually felt like in some of the games after the Kyrie trade, he was like, over defending like he was so eager to to play defense that he was like over helping and yeah. over rotating and and leaving guys open not because he was aloof off the ball but it, because he was like a little too on point like he was just he was helping when maybe he shouldn't and maybe stayed home because he's like he's trying to do everything and you know yeah. that comes with time and experience and, and you know he should be better at that as as his career goes on but hopefully you know, you're right. Like he's not the big defensive wing stopper this team needs. So they need to make roster adjustments so that he can kind of fit into his own defensive role. Uh, and kind of like how Reggie and Dorian played last year. I mean, Dorian was the guy who guarded the big wings and Reggie was the guy who guarded the guards or the point of attack uh, initiators of the other team's offense. And maybe green yeah. can, can follow in Bullock's steps and now they got to find the, the Dorian replacement. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that's spot on. All right, last question. Uh, okay. The Oklahoma City Thunder are up by two. <laughs> Just two. It was a double-digit game a little bit ago. It is a, it is now a two-point game. On Sunday night, will I be booking a flight to Minnesota? <sighs> they make it to the play-in? 
I was gonna I was gonna be cheeky and be like no because you're gonna be booking a flight to New Orleans, but uh, I would prefer that <laughs> I know, honestly. I if, if you give me an option of the two, uh, give me give me New Orleans. Yeah, look, that, man, that, you, that would at least be worth it. If you have the key cover in this team, the least the least the Mavericks can do is send you to New Orleans. I don't know. I mean, mathematically no, but in my heart, I, I think they're gonna make the play. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, the thing is, is they're gonna win these next two games. I think even if they don't want to win them. The, the Bulls are going to be resting. They've already, their injury reports already come out and all their, you know, Zach Levine and um, DeMar DeRozan are, and, and Vucevic are all questionable with rest. Like they're locked into 10. They have no reason to play. And I think Billy Donovan said like, we don't want them to be rusty. So we'll probably play them in the last game and maybe we'll rest them in the Dallas game. So I think, I mean, even if they do play, they're not going to be engaged. They're going to be going through the motions. Mavs are at home, you know, they play the Spurs. Like, I feel like they could, you know, even, even with all the stipulations you said about how weird this season is and how all these teams have been losing to all these other teams when they shouldn't have been losing to them. You know, the Mavericks losing to the Hornets, the Thunder have lost to the Pacers and the Hornets recently. The Timberwolves lost to the Trailblazers last week. Like I fully understand that, but I just, I just feel like a team with so much on the line um, that's obviously not going to give up. They just, I feel like they're just going to, they're going to go two and out. And so I just feel like the, the Thunder are going to drop one game. And, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. just feel like the Thunder are going to maybe drop one and it's, and that's it. That's all it takes um, from where they go well, there. I don't know, but I, I think they're going to, they're going to backdoor right into the 10th seed. We will see. We will see. Uh, this game is ongoing. Obviously probably listener when you listen to it, uh, you will know the result of that and you will know whether there is a, you know, whether the Thunder have dropped that game or whether there's going to be one to go, but we're going to find out. Uh, Josh, thanks for hopping on. I appreciate it. Uh, we do not solve the Mavericks. We still do not <laughs> understand them, but we did our best effort and that is all we can do. I really appreciate having me on. It's been great. Uh, I've loved what you've been doing with, uh, with Austin and Mike and, and Dave when he's on, you guys are doing great. Um, I've loved your work on the athletic this year, of course. So keep it up. Don't let this team get you two down. And hopefully we can get you to, if we're going to get you still covering this team uh, in April, in mid April, then hopefully we get to send you. To so that's my, that's my hope for that, you. Fingers crossed, man. Um, <laughs> on that note, we're going to be out of here. Listeners. Thank you for listening. It's what you do best. We'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Please be nice to Luca Future four-time MVP um, And so we, we take the analytics um, and look at everything you guys write as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.